Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. My goal is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. In my 40 years of working as a psychotherapist and consultant, I have been continually amazed at the ways in which people overcome challenges. I hope to share my experience and insights so you can find the magic in your relationships. So um, good morning. Um, I'm here today with my guest, Cynthia Lane. She's my teacher. And today <laughs> she has, you know, graciously uh, agreed to talk with me today and to share with us her her journey and, you know, and uh, hopefully we'll get to have a good conversation about um, about life as we know it here on Earth <laughs> <laughs> in all its wonder. So uh, hello, Cynthia. Hi. Hi, Mercy. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Great to be here with you, always. Um, so I just wanted to sort of start by just uh, just talking a little bit about how we met and how I know you. I'll just, just to tell the audience, and then um, we'll get to talk about that time of your life. But I met Cynthia in 1971 <clears throat> in Minnesota. Uh, when um, I, she was teaching transcendental meditation and I was a student at Carleton College and was encouraged by my dance teacher um, to learn TM and Cynthia was my teacher. And, um, you know, the process of learning TM involves uh, a couple of days, let's say, you know, maybe, I can't remember, three, five days. Okay, five days. So, um uh, so I got probably, you know, spent that much time with her and then didn't see her again for many years. Um, but I've never forgot her name. And uh, in the in, in the ensuing years, actually, what happened from my perspective, what happened next was that uh, in 2017, I heard an interview of Cynthia on um on a on a, a website with a I think Lauren Gailey or somebody I can't remember who Jacqueline Johnson I think oh, okay yes right that um, it was a, a you know a website where people with different spiritual interests were were interviewed but I recognized her name right away so I listened to the interview and then I contacted her and once when I contacted her she then reminded me of all the connections we had had in the years in between. Um, that my, I, I met my first husband, I started practicing TM in uh, 1971 and in 1980, <clears throat> I continued to meditate and to take different classes and different courses. I went to an advanced course in Iowa 
where I met my first husband. And the way I connect, I had worked for a, a, a TM executive, which was a teacher of the cities pro, with the cities program uh, in New York City. And I had met a couple of other TM teachers there, people who had been with the movement from early on, who were, we were all working at Business Week magazine. And this, my first husband, David Vivian, was a close friend of one of these, um, of Alan Cobb, who I worked with. So when I met David, we had this connection. And in the, I think in the years following, I got to be very close with Alan and Mary. And Mary, you know, and I remember now when you were, when Cynthia reminded me that Mary told me that she and Cynthia I think I told her the name of my teacher and she said, oh, yes, Cynthia and I were our very good friends. So by the time I contacted Cynthia in 2017, uh, she knew something about me, <laughs> right? A so little bit, you know, the barest outline. The barest outline, right. And um, just to say at that point in my journey with TM, um, and then um, my and my and, and and another spiritual teacher. I had never had a personal teacher, and that was not how TM worked. So um, after I was initiated, all my experiences I sort of had to sort out myself. Um, and <clears throat> when I met Cynthia again in 2017, um, she had gone down her path quite a ways and it was just the perfect time for us to connect and for me to have a personal teacher. So that's my story of how we met. <laughs> I would just really like to, you know, start with, now I'd just sort of like to kind of, I'd like to have you tell about your story and sort of just your background Um you know, how you became a, a meditation teacher and then how that, how that has that, that part of the path has led to, to what you've done since. Well, I think I was born a spiritual seeker, I guess you could say. I, even when I was very young, I, I mean, I thought about God all the time and I mean, didn't necessarily have over any overwhelming clear experience, but uh, God, the divine, was always very much in my awareness. Um, I and I was attracted to people who wrote about spiritual experiences and so on. But I had no sense of you know that I might find a teacher or even that there were systems that would satisfy me or fulfill me. Uh, so my first two years of college were um, in Portland, Oregon, at, at Reed College. And they're my very best the people I met, my very best friends were all spiritually oriented. And uh, one friend in particular was deep into Zen meditation, which was probably my first um, opening to teachers from from the East. Uh, but again, I had nobody to teach me about anything I could read or we could talk or something like that. And then in uh, 1966, I left Reed College and went down to San Francisco at the height of the the whole Haight-Ashbury flower child universe. And I went to San Francisco State and absolutely, I think, every spiritual teaching you could ever want to encounter and psychological, you know, it's kind of new age psychological 
technologies and stuff like that. Everything, everything was around. It was, it was such a big garden of possibilities. It was hard to choose. Um, the first person that made a really deep impression on me was a beautiful, beautiful man named Mayor Baba, M-E-H-E-R, who some people considered an avatar. He had been in silence for a long, long time. Um, and can he... Just, can you just tell our audience what an avatar is? Not everyone might know that term. Well, he's supposed to be an, an incarnation of divinity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But, but... All I knew I was all I knew about was that I was very attracted to him. That was my first introduction to the idea of a spiritual guru or teacher. And what he basically taught was love, just love, 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 love. And I got I understood the kind of love he was talking about. I knew I wasn't doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what what I wanted to, but I he he didn't offer a technology, so to speak. And, you know, some a, a path, a teaching um, that could take you there, you know, to, to that place. So during that time, that that was the time when um, Maharishi was first becoming well known. A couple of friends of mine had learned, very good friends, had learned transcendental meditation, and they really they loved it. And so I decided um, that I would learn it. And at that time. This would have been in 1967. Marshy was showing up personally, so uh, I was in, he. I was going to school in San Francisco State. He came to Berkeley and gave uh, an introductory lecture, and I remember sitting in the front row at the end of the lecture. All kinds of people were going up to try to talk to him. I wasn't ready for that, but I was absolutely fascinated by the idea of what what is a guru. So I. I watched him and I watched him and I, I particularly loved the way he answered questions. I, I still remember some of the answers he gave, which were, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, just, just for fun. Um, he would, now th this was an audience full of students. This was Berkeley in 1967. Yes, people were interested in all things spiritual, but they were students and they weren't just taking things for granted. So he made two, two statements. He said, one is, if you meditate, all your desires will be fulfilled. And two, if you are, if, if you're meditating and you're in any kind of competitive situation with a non-meditator, the meditator will always win because he or she would be using more of their in, intelligence and creativity. So one student stood up really quite, didn't, didn't like either of those statements and said, okay, Margie, what if you have a company? And there's only one position of advancement. And two people are competing um, for that position and they both meditate. Then what happens? Well, he just burst into laughter. He had the greatest laugh. And he said, oh, he said, well, then the company will expand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, I, I was just I, what I saw. There was an example of somebody who saw, you know, who was so creative and saw solutions rather than problems and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so very shortly after that, I learned TM and and I it was just like I was on a on a, a magic carpet and uh, I knew I had found what I was looking for uh, that, you know, really from the first day that I learned TM, I, I, I felt the results and felt really good about it. And um, then Marishi came back to California in the summer of 68 and offered a course. 
And then I decided I wanted to become a TM teacher and took me a while to save the money to, 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 to do that. And then in 1970, I went to Europe again to study with them and became a, a teacher after six months. Mm-hmm. There were six months of study with him in Europe. Yes. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and um, you, um, you know, you have told me about the day that he taught you, that he, he made a teacher, that he made you a teacher. Right. It was, it was an extraordinary day, uh, extraordinary moment. Um, right from the moment when he made me a teacher, I just felt like my whole consciousness shift into what I would now call a higher state of consciousness into a state of just profound union with all that is just with, I mean, every, I, I was everything, everything was me. There was absolutely seamless union. I mean, it, it didn't stay because I had a lot more growing to do to stabilize it, but I did have that, that, uh, opening, you know, and it lasted for a couple of days. It was really quite ecstatic and and a huge gift from from Margie and the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then and then after that, I all I wanted to do was teach. I felt like um, if that man could trust me mm-hmm. <laughs> to take his teaching into the world, I was going to live up to that trust no matter what, through thick and thin. And that's what I did. I went, I, my first teaching was in England. And then I came back to the US and onward from there. And when you came, so if that was 1970 that you may were made a teacher. So 71 was May 71. No, yeah, no, seven, you're right. Because I learned in the spring of no, maybe it was 72. You learned in 72. Oh, yeah, it was my sophomore year. So it was 1970. Yeah, it was 19. It was the spring of 72. And that's when yeah. you were teaching in the Midwest. Right. So it was right. uh, May 71, May 14th, to be exact, that I became uh-huh. a TM teacher. And from there, I just went to England. I was there for about a month. And then I came back to the East Coast. Right. Which is where I started teaching. You started teaching there. But then by the... But anyway, by the time I learned to teach, you were right. You were and out in the Midwest. 104 things happened, and I was able to talk to Marshy. He, he was in Massachusetts the summer of 71, and I had uh, four offers of being invited of different places to teach. And uh, he told and all of which were places I was familiar with, California, East Coast, and, and but also in Minnesota where I had never been. And he said, it's always better to go to a new place. So that was that. I got in the car <laughs> and off I went. You know, I was in those days. Uh-huh. I had a suitcase and a box of books and off you went. <laughs> right. Now, I remember, I think I probably heard this from Mary because it wouldn't be the kind of thing you would tell me. But I think I heard <laughs> that you had a record for a while of initiating the most people. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All those captive students, you know, who had $35 in their pocket. Right. Well, you know, my first year of teaching in the Midwest, really, it it was a magical time. And it was that way, I think, for most, for many, many people who taught in the Midwest. It was just ripe for 
this teaching as if people were sitting around and waiting for us. And it was, you know, mostly students, but all you had to do was put up a few posters and you know, you'd get a packed lecture hall and everybody would sign up almost no matter what you said. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and it was contagious. I mean, I got right. my, my, my dance teacher learned to meditate. And I remember them. Told all of us, we had to learn to meditate. So we all marched down and, you know, <laughs> and then we'd sit and then I had a, two roommates. I think there were five of us in three adjoining rooms and we all learned to meditate and we'd all meditate every morning and every evening together. It was, it was, great. It was a little, you know, sort of bubble. Um, yeah, it was a really um, great experience for me too. I have been. And believe me, it was a very sweet experience for me to have it every to teach all those people. It was such imagine. a privilege to teach um, to teach meditation. It really was. I'm forever grateful. Yeah, I'm just remembering what I was just thinking. What it'd be like to spend your days doing that because it was such a <laughs> you know, kind of quiet, profound, you know, experience. Um, <clears throat> so. You then were with the movement for a long time. 28 years. 28 years. Doing one thing or another, sometimes teaching, sometimes with Marishi. Uh-huh. But so you taught, but you also taught in a variety of settings. Yeah. Or places. Right. Yeah. So, you know, in, you in taught, many places. You, thought you sort of taught in corporate settings as well as in... Right. Yeah. General, as well as with the general public. Right. Right. And in, you know, in, in universities and, you know, just general public, whatever. And, um, and in a lot of different places. Philippines, England, you know, just lots of different places. India. India. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, And then there were, there's a, just, you know, for people who don't know about this, the TM, you know, activities, were you on Mother Divine? Right. So at a certain point, Maharishi had uh, decided he wanted to have a group of people who would live the classical life of monks and nuns, except it was non-denominational. In other words, uh, it was people from you know whatever variety of faiths wanted to show up or no faith at all and so the the men were called um, purusha and the women were called mother divine and i was on that program which was really you know like the classical life of a of a nun for 7 years mm -hmm. in and uh, in, in several different countries where well we were in washington dc for a long time we were in puerto rico for a year where else were we? It all starts to feel so long ago. We were in Holland, we were in Switzerland, mm -hmm. and um, we right. moved around. And part of that movement, just from my understanding, was based on the um, mission that Maharishi had of taking, of having groups of meditators travel to different parts of the world because of the uh, influence of a group of meditators on the general society. And right. And the consciousness uh, that uh, that it could uplift this the social situation wherever they were. And Mar Marshy had a degree in physics. He had actually had a BA in physics before he became Marshy, or before he began to study with his teacher. And he loved physics, and he loved finding 
parallels, if, if not exact matches, between the Vedic description of creation and the universe and the most current findings of modern physics, in particular quantum physics. And he always had some outrageously brilliant physicists around him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that they they pointed out to him was that if you have uh, if you have a system of of uh, waves, you know, energy waves, uh, quantum physics, remember, deals um, with not with with particles, but that but that which precedes particles, the wave the wave system, the non non-particulate system and uh he's so if you have a system of like wave, of you're waves, talking about waves of energy or waves of energy yeah. mm -hmm. in most given systems the waves are not coherent so this one's going like this and another one's going like this and another one's going like that so if you can get those energy waves to line up to be exactly coherent then they become uh, extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful. It's like the difference between a regular light coming from a regular light bulb and the light coming and, and laser light, which is um, perfect, a perfectly coherent system. Okay. And one thing we knew from a huge amount of brainwave research was that when people practice the TM technique, their brainwaves, instead of being, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, they lined up within particular frequencies became completely co coherent. So it, it turns out that to go in physics, to go from an incoherent system like regular light to a perfectly coherent and far more infinitely more powerful system like laser light, you just had to get the square root of 1% of the components in the system to line up. And that coherent functioning was so much more powerful than incoherent functioning that it would pull everything else into alignment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he got this idea that if you took the square root of 1% of a particular population and you put, and, and they were all meditating together, that they might possibly get create, you know, pull the rest of the society's brainwaves into coherence. And that should, uh, and that should then, um, you know, change the behavior of the society as a whole. So that was where that came from. Right. So, and that was a big, I hope I explained that right. I you did, you explained it, it very nicely. <laughs> and I think it will really tie into what we're, you know, what we'll talk about when we talk about mm -hmm. your current focus. So right. um, at, at one point, so you eventually left the TM organization and your team. Right, right. Well, I, yeah, I, I stopped working for them. You stopped working for them, right? Yeah. It was basically, I, I, I was of a certain, came to a certain age and uh, I realized that I had to get my material life together. I couldn't, you know, there had to be a balance between spiritual devotion and material well-being and i i need i needed to get things together and i therefore could no longer afford to work for the tm organization which you know really didn't pay anything most of the time except for a stipend mm -hmm. right and but that also then kind of coincided with your um introduction to uh, a, a native american teacher right i spent about 
uh, a year, just kind of gradually remembering who I was as a human being and not just a TM teacher. So I kind of pulled out of, it's not that I, I was still, I was still meditating. I still lived in Fairfield, Iowa, but my, but, but I, but I was recovering my, we could say my humanness and who I was other than just a TM teacher. And that was about a year. During that year, um, some very good friends of mine had become involved with um, uh, a Native American man who lived up in Des Moines. And they really wanted me to, to join his teaching circle. And I really didn't want to because I, you know, I just, I just wanted to continue on this path of just being, being free of any teaching. But eventually, um, after about a year, I, the, all the arrows, you, you get to recognize the arrows in your life. We're pointing, go and go and study with this man. And so I did that. And and I think it was almost um, preordained. When I was a little girl, I was totally fascinated by Native Americans. I made myself a, a tunic with, I mean, I'm like, what, nine years old, you know, with embroidered teepees on it and fringes. And you know, it was, right? weren't you, you were in New York? It was York, in Manhattan, right? in Manhattan, in Manhattan. In New Jersey when that happened, actually. And, and you know, where did all that come from? I mm-hmm. we, We'd go to the Natural History Museum every year uh, or the Museum of the City of New York, where they have these big dioramas of the, you know, the, the, the Native Americans meeting with the pilgrims. And I stick my nose up against that glass. And boy, did I want to climb in. So it was always kind of there in the background. But whoever dreamed that you would run into somebody who'd be willing to teach you. So um, I moved to Des Moines and began a really quite a deep dive into uh, uh, Lakota, Lakota teachings. And then I met uh, another man who actually lived on in, in South Dakota on the Cheyenne River Reservation, who was, he was just a wonderful man. And he was a mentor and a friend, not a formal teacher. Um, but he would talk and talk and talk and I would listen and listen and listen. And it, it was really, it was wonderful. And I was... Um, fortunate to receive a pipe from him. I went to 14 Sundances, and which if you've been to even one, you would understand the power of transformation of that. And um, it, it was it was a beautiful time. Very fortunate. So we need to take a break. But okay. when I come back, I want to dive a little bit more into that um, episode of learning for you. Okay. And, um, so that we can then kind of move on to what it is you're teaching now. And um, yeah, just um, how this has really come together. So this is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. I'm here today with my guest, Cynthia Lane, and we'll be right back after the break. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Hello, this is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show, and I'm here today with my guest, Cynthia Lane. She's my teacher, and we've just been talking about her 
um, path. And we were just talking about her um, uh, movement into studying with uh, Lakota teachers. And Cynthia, you mentioned you taught you you were, you mentioned a Sundance, and you also mentioned the pipe. And I wish could you explain a little bit what the significance of those types of events are? And I'm also, I mean, I to whatever degree you'd like, but also um, what shifted for you in your belief system, your orientation to your spirituality? What was the, what were you learning that, that during that time? Okay. Well, not to minimize in any way, the pipe and the Sundance really, because uh, nothing made a bigger change in my life than, it, you know, than receiving that pipe, t learning TM and receiving the pipe were really, you know, just, just milestones in my life, but to do justice to those, would be a whole nother conversation, which I'd be delighted to have, but much longer. Yeah. So, but, but perhaps from a personal evolutionary perspective, what happened for me was a complete, like 180 degree reversal of my approach to um, this, the so-called spiritual path. So in the Vedic system of growth, at least as I received it from Maharishi, uh, the key to everything is transcending. You close your eyes and your awareness goes beyond everything in the relative creation, however subtle, and you slip into the infinite, which is the source with a capital S of yourself and of all that is and, and is your true nature. So it's a process of transcending the world, transcending the relative, transcending the manifestation. And then you you bring that it more and more of that infiniteness integrates into your awareness and you live that in everyday life. In the Native American tradition that again, as I this is the sliver of it that I that I received, the approach is quite different. Uh, you don't find the transcendent by closing your eyes. You find the transcendent by opening yourself completely to the creation, which is ultimately an expression of the infinite. So I discovered that, that, that the description of the outcome of the path was exactly the same in the Vedic tradition and the Native American tradition, which was a wonderful thing to discover, but the way to get there was very different. So uh, for instance, part of my training was we would go out in the woods at night, even in the winter in Iowa, I might say, <laughs> I might comment, it was very cold. And and we were given certain teachings and we kept our eyes open. Okay, you did not close your eyes. And what he said was, as you're sitting out and st or standing out in the woods, don't focus on the trees, focus on the space between the trees. Don't focus on the sound of the drum, focus on the gap between the beats. So the whole thing was to discover the infinite silence at the foundation of creation, but through all of your senses. So that that was, you know, the breaking of a habit of, we could say, 28 years. But for me, absolutely critical because it meant that, number one, I was finding the infinite, not just in myself, but refining my senses to find it in everything and in everyone. That and that 
in all of the ceremonies, whether it's, you know, a sweat lodge or Sundance, whatever, your whole, it's not just, just, just um, uh, an experience in your awareness, your whole body is involved, okay? Your whole body gets transformed by that ceremony. You can't Sundance with your eyes closed, you know, you, you, you have to be aware and open and vulnerable was the word uh, in order to feel God was what I was taught. And that was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And I think always meant to be because when Marisha used to talk talk about um, heaven on earth, I used to get this feeling inside me, not heaven on earth, heaven in earth. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So I somehow knew that for my path and what I was meant to experience and what I was meant to share with others, that I needed to learn how to and teach others how to take our bodies with us on the journey. Right. So in other words, not just to have that infiniteness in awareness that I am that with the capital T, but for every cell in our body to recognize as what I call the first light of creation. Your body can't become infinite or it's gone, but it can self-recognize as what we could call first or divine light, which is just that very, very first, very delicate, but also virtually infinite expression of the infinite. I call it light. It isn't really light. Uh, it's, it's kind of pre-photon light. It's just the very, very first something as opposed to the as opposed to the void of the infinite and it is also something which is not which is virtually infinite and which you have to become it's very difficult to talk about it you become it as opposed to the infinite so i called it for the first light of creation because of this inspiration to take my body with me and help others take their bodies with them on the journey it's an option for humanity, which is the door is wide open now. Well, I um, <clears throat> when I heard you, I I don't remember what I heard in particular. But I, <laughs> I don't do remember know, what I said. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Who knows? But I do know that I had uh, that my experience with TM and transcendence and unity because i had had a number of uh experiences of um unity with others and of perception of the divine that that came you know like much as you described with your experience i mean maybe not exactly the same but and then they would just sort of you know um kind of settle down and it would just it would be available but not necessarily dominating my experience all the time but there was a stepwise, but by the time, so by the time, so let me see, I don't know how many years that is. That's, it was 40 years. So it was over 40 years, 2017, 17 plus um, 29. Yeah. Oh dear. That's a long time. <laughs> I ran into you again, but the earth bait, you talked about your, this earth based spirituality is how I would say it in short language. Mm -hmm. And I knew then I had that that's what I needed you know, that I had, um, that, and I had gotten married and had children and made a decision to, and it was very grounding, but I was still and now at a point in my life where that phase was sort of over and I was drifting again. And I, 
spiritually was sort of at a little bit of a loss because I really wanted to have my experience more grounded. And it was that was what was such a draw to me, to you, because you have the Vedic background and that was my ABCs, right? Your language, right? Yeah, that was my language. And so, um, but I also know I needed something different. And um, I also have been very attracted to, you know, Native American culture, not really knowing why, but um, at any rate, so that that was a big draw for me. Um, I have to tell you that after you called me, that first time and said, are you Cynthia Lane? And you taught me TM. I got off the phone and I cried. There was something so deeply moving to me that I had taught you TM all those years ago. And there, and now there was this big circle and, and we were connecting again on this whole new path, just so you know. Oh, <laughs> I never yes. told you that. <laughs> it was really profound, but we also had really, really profound relationships that yeah. with Mary, particularly with Mary Cobb. Who was my very best friend, not just any old friend. Not just any old friend. And she was a dear friend to me and very much a guiding light. Um, not just because she had been a TM teacher, and but because of the way she lived it. I mean, it was right. so. And then we could do a whole show on Mary too. Yeah, we, we could do a whole show on Mary Cobb. <laughs> Um, and we then we knew the we we, we knew the, the side characters too, so that right. was, uh, but, but at any rate, um, so you you then also um had a period of um silence, and now you also then also had an association with a man named Bill Bauman, who is not someone I'm familiar with. I know many a num- number of your students are. And wonder if you can just say a little bit about that. And then I want to, and then also you've recently, I mean, there's your teaching has recently come from, um, you know, uh, Mary Magdalene also. So whatever you want to say about that, we, um, I just, you know, we have well, about, I, yeah, we have. I, I, I met Bill when I was living in um, the Washington DC area and teaching, teaching TM there. And I was, um, referred to him by a friend. And he was a very interesting man because he had a PhD in psychology and his, he had, a, you know, like his office was set up as if it was a regular practice, mm-hmm. but that's not where he lived. He was really about, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. life. And I recognized him right away. It was like an instant kind of connection. Um, you know, a, a very deep connection. And I just, I only got to know him briefly in person. And then I left Washington, D.C. and and moved to Iowa because I just needed a break. It was pretty intense teaching TM in downtown Washington. (laughs) And uh, but then we, you know, we reconnected by the phone and the relationship went went on and on. And I feel um, He's such an interesting combination of a PhD psychologist. Plus, he was also fully trained uh, as a as a priest, a Catholic priest, and he did that for a number of years. And then he even learned TM and practiced it for a couple of years. So he had a lot of different threads running through him. But he was he was you know a way enlightened, expanded human being, but with all of this other knowledge to feed into the way that he you know, could help people. And he, he was really uh, a model for me and a mentor for how to help people and how to work with people. 
whenever I was around him, either individually or in a group, I mean, I was glued to the process and to what he said. And I just learned, not only did I grow spiritually very much so, um, but also uh, learned how to work with people in in a, I hope is a very gracious and supportive way. So, and then that was, um, so, so I met him in 1993. Yeah. To, again, just before I lived, left for Washington, D.C., uh, I didn't work with him again for a whole nother year. Then I worked with him kind of on and off mm-hmm. over the years, uh, you know, for the next 10 years. And, you know, not in an everyday kind of way, but here and there on and off. But every contact was very enriching and uh, I'm very grateful, very, very grateful to him. And that was also during the years when you moved further out west. From uh, Yeah, from Iowa, I, I am always moving. I, I am a geographically unstable person. From <laughs> Iowa, I went to San Diego and then from San Diego, I went to Santa Fe and then from Santa Fe, I went out to Utah uh, where Bill was living at the time actually. And then from Utah, I came back to Santa Fe and then I went to France, and then I came back to San. Anyway, it kind of goes like that. Right, right. But right. I've actually been in Santa Fe in the same house now for eleven years, which is a record for this lifetime. Uh-huh. I have uh-huh. never lived anywhere longer than five years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you and I are kindred souls, right? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I get to whine and complain to you a lot. <laughs> right. About you know where's home anyway? Where is home? Um, so um, can you tell us a little bit about your time in France and your, you know, what your, your opening with Mary Magdalene? Okay. So I, um, the second time I went to France, and it, again, you know, who, who doesn't want to go to Paris? I'd always want to go to Paris. Um, for, I had the opportunity to be there for three months. And um, before I went, Various friends said, oh, you have to go here and you have to go there and you have to go there. And each each and every place that was recommended was associated with Mary Magdalene, about whom I knew, you know, really very little. And um, so I said, OK, I'm going to be on the Mary Magdalene trail, I guess. <laughs> uh, somebody very, very kindly had given me a free place to stay in the Languedoc region, which is an area that's strongly associated with Mary and from there, myself and a couple of other friends, we, you know, that was our, our base camp, so to speak. And we, we traveled around. Um, but at one point I was in um, a town called uh, Rennes-le-Chateau, which is very much associated with Mary Magdalene. And they have a, a, a cathedral, not a cathedral, a chapel, a very tiny place associated with her. It's, it's dedicated to her. Mary Magdalene, by the way, though, that was never... It's not accepted by the church that she was married to Christ, but what is accepted is that she was in Southern France and she is considered a saint. She's considered the Christ's first evangelist. So she's the, 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 as I experienced the Catholic church in France had a strong, you know, deeply feminine and, and beautiful quality and a deep respect for her. So anyway, um, I'm in this tiny chapel and, you know, you're in a chapel, what do you do? You close your eyes and <laughs> meditate. And so I was just, just sitting very quietly with my eyes closed in the chapel. And suddenly it's like, 
I don't know how I knew it was her presence. I think she announced it. I felt her presence. And I didn't feel it just outside me. I feel it. I felt it like emerging a deep, deep, deep union. This is not channeling. Okay, way different than channeling. This is merging. And uh, the understanding I was given with that experience, uh, it was it was as if Mary Magdalene was saying, and I put that in quotes because it's a kind of a spiritual knowing. She said, I love you so much. And she didn't mean me. She meant all of humanity. I love you. I love humanity so much that I am going to take care of the rest of your path. No more hard work, no more processing, no more meditating for umpteen hours, no more spiritual marathons. If you just open your heart and let me in, mm -hmm. my love is so great that it will take care of everything for you. And out of that came every all the teaching, you know, an amplification of that, of course, all the teaching I've done ever since. I call it the path of grace. And uh, Mercy will tell you that I start every meditation by allowing people to drop into their hearts and which puts them in a place of maximum receptivity to experience divine light and divine love, which does a lot of work, accomplishes great things all on its own. So that it's really transformed the way that you work, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I think one thing that really sort of intrigued me about it was the message that <clears throat> that we really didn't have to go through all these techniques and of healing. No, no more. Pro you don't have to process anymore. My love is this is divine love, and it can heal and transform anything, and it will. You just have to let it in. Right. So the, so the doing is really just receiving. It, it's surrender. It's surrender. It's about surrender. Right. It's about allowing rather than making something happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well. <laughs> Which is something that Bill used to talk about, too. You know, uh -huh. allowing rather than making something happen. Right. Right. I mean, it really does tie into sort of. Uh, you know, a lot of ancient teachings. And yet at the same time, um, there's a lot of busyness out there in, right. the, in the spiritual world. And yes, there is. Yeah. And it's. And, and no one teaching is going to be a perfect fit for everybody. Right. It, you know, because we're all put together slightly differently. We're each different packages of of divine light, different packages of divine love, but we're each here to be the infinite, but then to share the infinite it through this in our own unique way. And so, you know, right at the moment, I, I mean, the universe is cheering us on like crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to, to find our way home to the infinite. So there are many teachers, teachings and many paths so that I think everybody can find something that fits. So if you're predominantly strawberry, you you can find a strawberry path home. Predominantly, you know, pecan, you'll find a pecan path home of your chocolate and so on. So so this is what I have been given to share. And I 
grateful beyond measure to have anything to share at all, much less something which is so fulfilling for me to experience and share. But but I but but it doesn't. But I don't want in any way to to minimize everything else that's out there. Not at all. Right. Right. So yeah. Again, it's it's it, it is a match, and it was you know I guess for me yeah. it's been a really good match. Now I I just do want to you know, own up to the audience that I have probably been like a really difficult student at times. <laughs> I have been like scratching my way. You like to play devil's advocate. It's so fine. Yeah. Well, I've been scratching my way out of a lot of desires. And um, <laughs> so I have not been always a, really the most receptive audience for the simplicity of your message. But it's, you know, <laughs> But there's no question for me that what a difference it makes and that even, you know, um, as I uh, have questioned, um, like those college students, um, that uh, I just keep moving along, right? And one piece that's been really important to me has, and that I know that I, you've probably, you've probably seen the change in me. I could say it's been quite yeah, quite definite is that my relationship to the earth is very different. <clears throat> um, it's become a, a big, big player. It's been a big player. A major I'm, thread. You know, I'm not a person who's in the garden. I'm not a big backpacker, but it is, uh, I, I, I even had a year of living alone on a hundred acres, you know, of ranch land. And my only, my main companions were a flock of turkeys and a little herd of deer and a raccoon and a peahen that's out of my deck. But it really all, it's, there's no question that that has really solidified for me um, in a way that, um, you know, I, I just say it's hard to describe what the, what difference it makes. Um, you, you, you've opened up to the earth's love okay most people in our society are oblivious or right. only minim minimally aware but we are the earth's children just as we're god's children and you have allowed that love to come in literally move through you and nourish you and you feel it and it's it's an important player and important part of your guidance system or where to go next and what to do next. Right. So as, <laughs> as this itinerant, similar to you, I mean, I have friends who joke about it. They count how many times. Right. I like, And I, I'm just kind of used to it now. But the reason I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona now is because I came through here and I, I, I remember hiking in this barren land. I'm from New England. I mean, this just in a sense, <laughs> it's interesting to visit, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I always felt such joy. And I just, you know, we, as you said, the earth here really loves me. And I think yeah. for a time, you know, it, it served, it's serving a purpose for a particular time. But for me to make decisions in my life based on that is a very different way of approaching life than, you know, from a plan or a, an you, idea. You, you, stop, you stop trying to figure things out and you allow the universe to, the universe, the earth, the voice of your soul to be your guidance system. Mm -hmm. To do that, you have to come to a place of enormous inner silence. And by living on the, in such an empty place, you, you've emptied out of a vast amount of belief systems and sources of internal chatter so that now you can and will hear 
the voice of your soul, your own guidance system, and the earth, you know, play plays a role in that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I I went through the same uh, experience when I lived first moved to New Mexico for between four and five years. It was me and God and the earth, and that was it. No TV. I did have a radio. <laughs> you know, it, it, I just couldn't afford a TV. So it was it was a life of extreme simplicity. But, you know, now I live a life and I teach in this way is also where I call it hear and obey. I I know. I don't doubt. I follow. I, I do it. I, I trust that my guidance is from the deepest uh, level of creation and from the infinite itself. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is a good place to stop. And All I right. want to make a comment to the audience that I think you've gotten a real taste of Cynthia and her teaching. And, you know, not only what her path has been, we could do a number of more shows because <laughs> there's so many details about how you teach, even the things we've done together that I've in your mentoring program that would be, you know, I think really interesting to talk about. But I think you've just witnessed you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of teaching and what kind of experience one can have with a teacher like Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> and my last question on our little outline, I always do an outline here is, do you have a personal life? <laughs> well, what, I'm not sure what you mean by that. I have friends. I have a ton of friends. I've Many, 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 many people that I love. I right. could be a full-time job just keeping up with all of them. <laughs> right, right, right. You have I go to the grocery store. <laughs> I cook food. I'm not a very good cook. I, <laughs> I take my car to the fix-it place. Oh. I get dental work. <laughs> this is what I did this week, so it's on my where in my mind. <laughs> oh yes, the dental work. Uh, yeah, God's in the dentist chair. <laughs> right. uh, Actually, I have to say, I have had some blessings in the dentist chair. But at any rate, yes. So at any rate, um, I um, you, I just want to mention, and I will put this in the show notes, that Cynthia's website is First Light Transformations. You can learn a little bit more then about her then if you're interested in her teaching and her offerings. Um, it's, it's there. Um, and I just encourage you to reach out to her. And um, also, to you're welcome to contact me if you have any questions. My name is Mercy Russell. This is a remarkable relationship show. I've been here today with Cynthia Lane, and um, we look forward to the next time that we do this. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for the opportunity to share, and also for being part of my life. Thank you very <laughs> much for being in my life. <laughs> it's a given relationship. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.